0: Boxes. We're going to be going back to Second uh, Kings, and we're going to finish up our study today on Elijah. Uh, and um, while they're passing the the baskets, just encourage you to be praying about the uh, the packing of the shoe boxes, the shoe boxes going to the distribution distribution centers, and then on out throughout the world to all the different kids throughout the world and the difficulties that have been going on throughout the world. It's not just in the United States and just be praying that it opens up a great opportunity for um, these kids to hear the gospel and to grow in the gospel. Come on up kids. Great job. And so we need to keep praying about that. Hopefully, you've been praying all year. <laughs> um, sometimes, if you're like me, you don't think about it until it comes to the last month or so. So if you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for, for all that you've done for us. And Lord, our eternal future, uh, that we do not have to worry about where we're headed uh, but that you would also give us um, vision and discernment as we we run the race as as we as we head towards glory that we would be faithful in following you, and we thank you, Lord again for this time together. I pray that this is a time of encouragement uh, a time where we 're challenged as well to continue to press on. And Lord, we just thank you for all the examples in your word of our wonderful future. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was studying this passage for today, um, it reminded me, you know, and, and this may be a tough topic for some of us having recently lost loved ones, but my last grandparent who passed away, my grandma Rose, she had a lot of heart issues, so this this passage reminded me of her and her mentality uh, towards those final days. Uh, she had a lot of heart issues, um, heart surgeries, uh, and there for the last year or more, she was ready to be with the Lord. Uh, she was quite a witness to many people. I remember her talking about uh, of course, it was after one of her surgeries talking about receiving blood through an iv and how as she watched the blood drip there it reminded her of the blood of jesus christ and how he gave her eternal life he gave her life-saving blood just as she was receiving life-saving blood through that that iv because she knew as a young girl she went to Uh, Well, she went to Camp Maranatha, and that's where she, she first placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But she came to know, like all of us need to know, that we are lost, that we're sinners in need of salvation. And she came to understand that the only one who gives life is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gave life through shedding of his blood upon the cross. He brought us into a new covenant. By what he has done. Those who have believed in him. And yet she was ready, right? She was ready to be with the Lord. And unless Jesus returns, you know, we have the rapture of the church. Uh, Unless that takes place, we will all pass away in like manner as my grandma did. Waiting for the return of the Lord. Yet what if we did see the rapture? Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> Some of you may wonder, what are you talking about? Well, we get the word rapture from rapturo. The Greek, or the Latin, sorry, the Greek is arpoxo, and it means to be snatched away. And in First Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about how those who are alive in Christ, that is believers in Jesus, will be snatched up in a moment. And we will meet the Lord Jesus in the air. But those who have died and gone to be with the Lord in heaven, their bodies will be resurrected somehow, some way. Very d- difficult, you know, to describe how that will take place. But they will have be given a glorified body, and they will be taken up first. So their souls will meet their bodies, and they will go be- meet the Lord in the air. And and then we, in a nanosecond, will be snatched up in like manner. And the reason I'm talking about this, you know, what, what if we go in that way, you know? Um, there's some people, I guess, I don't know, I don't get it. I'd rather be raptured than have to endure any pain or suffering. Um, and some people don't suffer. Um, but I would love to go be with the Lord in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and be with all of my loved ones alive or who have passed on before me in that moment. That would be a wonderful way to go in my mind. What a way to go, right? And the reason I'm talking about this is because Elijah was snatched up in the air in a whirlwind. And that would have been a pretty spectacular way to go. And as you see the title, that's kind of an exclamation. What a way to go, right? But it's all good. The the way we will go will all be good because we know where we are going. At least I hope you know where you're going. Therefore, knowing where we are headed encourages us to march on in this life's journey following the Lord Jesus Christ step by step. And so we're going to look at three exclamations. You see the exclamation in the title. What a way to go. And, and these three exclamations should, should drive home the point, I hope for all of us today, that the way we will go must guide our journey. That, that should depict or guide, lead us in every decision we make on, in this world, during this life, on this earth. And so the first exclamation is, what a journey. <laughs> what a journey that would be. Well, when we look back in 2 Kings chapter 2, we find a journey of, for Elijah in his last hours, last day. Verse 1 says, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And what we find here, and and I just want to expound upon for just a brief moment, is we find in Elijah and as a review that he had a life of faithful service. What a journey he had in his life because he was faithful to the Lord. And so at Gilgal reminds us here of his faithful service, his faithful life. Elijah came to a point in time where we will all be someday when it is time to go be with the Lord, and are we ready? Now he had served the Lord faithfully, how did he do that? Well, first he confronted the king and queen with their sin. He had patiently endured and been sharpened at Cherith, remember that, the brook that dried up? You know, he had that confrontation with King Ahab. And then he went, instead of going and becoming a popular figure, at that moment, he left. He said, it's gonna, you're going to have a drought until it's but by my word. You will have a drought. Unless he prays to the Lord for rain, it will be a drought. And so then after that, he went and hid by the brook Cherith. And then after that, when the brook dried out, up, the Lord sent him over to, to Zarephath, where the Lord smelted him or, or honed him. He watched God provide in both these places, and he didn't have that much of a ministry. His only ministry here at this time for about three and a half years was to a widow. And then he raised, the Lord used him and raised. Her son from the dead, and then at the end of that time, he stood up again against the false religion of the day, and God revealed himself powerfully, remember? On Mount Carmel, he dealt with the false prophets. Then he ran for his life, didn't he? So he had this spectacular feat, that God had done at Mount Carmel where, where after soaking the, the sacrifice, he had 450 false prophets of Baal who danced and leaped and cut themselves and nothing happened, and then he doused, had his altar doused for the Lord, doused with water again and again, and Lord from heaven sent fire. Right? Remember that? And then, well, Ahab figured it out. No, he didn't. But for the moment, he was good. And so Elijah prayed for rain, and rain came. And so he ran to, to Jezreel, and he thought, hey, this is great. But then Queen Jezebel was going to have his life, so he ran for his life to Mount Sinai. So there was a lot of ups and downs, right? <laughs> a lot of ups and downs. What a journey. Uh, we have to be careful. When we look at Elijah's life, remember as we've studied through this that uh, as surely as there's ups, there are downs. But when you're in the dumps, remember, there'll be some good times again. From that point on, when he was in the, the wilderness at Mount Sinai, he heard the Lord not in the, the rock cracking, cracking or the fire, but from a still small voice, and the Lord gave him a command and gave him a a dear friend in Elisha. So from that moment on, Elisha was called, and he became that dear friend, and we find Elisha is still with him in this passage, and he will not separate from his friend. In all of this, as we look at Elijah's life, And we think, well, my life is nothing near Elijah's. Yeah, there's a lot of prophets whose lives were nothing near like Elijah's. But in this, I hope that you see as well that every day matters. Every day matters. And there is no comparison to a life committed to the Lord. The successful Christian life is one where we learn to rely and walk with the Lord day in and day out and never stop. We continue on in it. Well, in verse 2 and 3, so Gilgal reminds me of his faithful ministry. The ups, the downs, the quiet times, the dull times, the exciting moments. Verse 2 and 3, it says, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourselves live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. We'll get to some of this here in a little while. But when we look at Elijah's life, and, and you think of Bethel, you remember about Bethel? Genesis 28, 19, Jacob, Jacob called this place Bethel, which means house of God. It became a place of, of dedication and prayer. Jacob had slept there and he saw the, the ladder, right, Jacob's ladder, He made a commitment to the Lord to give the first tenth of his stuff. But the Lord had promised him that he'd bring him back into the land. It's a place of prayer. In Elijah's final journey, I believe he significantly went through Bethel, for he was a man of prayer. He was a man who relied upon the Lord. Are we people of prayer? We also see in verse 4 and 5, follow along with me, and we'll come back to these verses. But Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were in Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you over you today? And he answered, yes, I know, be still. When we look at Jericho, it reminds me of a lot of things throughout Israel's history. Israel entered the promised land, and they were met with a mighty battle at Jericho. Reminds me of Elijah's life and the battles in his life. As Elijah takes his final journey, we're reminded of those battles that he fought, just like Israel did. What did, what did Israel do? Well, they marched around the city of Jericho, and God brought the walls down. So God was in it. God was the one that gave them the victory, but yet they still had to fight, didn't they? So like Israel, Elijah was in the thick of it while all the time trusting the Lord God for the victory, right? Right? Elijah had to build the altar. He had to cut the the sacrifice. Then he did something counterproductive and doused it with water. And God brought the fire. Throughout his life, he worked in tandem with the Lord God, knowing it was the Lord God who won the victory, but he had to do the work. It's the same way for us people we have to do the work. Trusting the Lord step by step. Look at verse 7 and 8. Now fifty men of the, the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Well, let me back up to verse six. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now 50 of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And this, we find that they cross the Jordan, and it reminds me. And all of this reminds me of the life of the miraculous. Around five hundred and fifty-five years before this time, Joshua and Israel crossed the, cross the Jordan miraculously into the Promised Land to start a new life in this Promised Land. While he was Elijah was going the opposite direction, he was going to begin a new life. But he crossed miraculously just as Israel had done. He was beginning his journey into the promised land. And I think, as I look at this passage, what a way to go. Especially when I consider that Elisha did not leave his side. Elijah was never alone. And we find in this passage, he was snatched up. You know, my grandma passed away there during COVID. And I thank the Lord God that the doctor said she could come home. They brought her back in an ambulance, and she was surrounded by my aunts and uncles mom and dad, as they sang hymns that she's loved all her life. Even if she were to die in that hospital alone, she would have not have been alone. I'm reminded of the importance and why it is that God has placed us in an imperfect family. We should not be alone. By family, I mean church families and while our church family might be doing okay, maybe it's not doing okay. I think we do pretty well. I'm very grateful, like I said last week, for, for many of you who have been very faithful to the Lord and have reached out to many. And we may miss people here and there. But even if we were in a church that was really struggling, it is good not to be alone. And I pray that we're more of a comfort than a hindrance. But my prayer for this church family is that we will be there for each other and I often look at those around who do not have a church family and do not really know what they're missing out on. Missing out on a vital comfort, the vital comfort of fellowship. Yet, Are we walking faithfully on our journey to to be with the Lord year after year, month after month, day by day, hour after hour? The way we will go, that is to be with the Lord, it should guide our journey now. Are we faithful in following Him? Here we find that as Elijah was going to be taken up, he was not alone. He had the Lord and he had Elisha. Just remember, we're not alone. The second exclamation as we look at this passage is what a glory. As you go down through those passages, you, you see that they all knew what was going to take place. It was not hidden from them that Elijah was leaving to go be with the Lord God. They all knew the glory was coming. You know, the sons of the prophets at each place knew what was about to happen. These are like a school of prophets. Some say that Samuel set these schools up and they kind of were dying out. And Elijah and Elisha had a a magnificent hand in building these schools back up. Remember when Elijah complained and God said there's 700 so we believe that they had a big hand in teaching and helping these, these schools of the, or sons of the prophets, these schools to grow and develop for these men to grow and follow God. And his route, another reason he took the route, he did. He went to each one of these schools or each group of so, the sons of the prophets And perhaps he wanted to give them one last word of encouragement, one last charge or challenge to these schools of the prophets. Maybe he needed the encouragement from them as well. But each time they told Elisha, do you know, the Lord is going to take your master, and his response I know. Real hard time. It seems like uh, Elisha was also telling them, you know, don't ruin these final hours. (laughs) I don't know. He said, be still. Uh, Enjoy the time you have with them. Don't worry about the little things. Enjoy the time you have with those who are going to pass on. Now, Elisha's response was also, you know, I will not stay behind at Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, or the Jordan." He was faithful to the end. He was a faithful friend. He was an encouragement, as we just mentioned here earlier. The other thing we find in this passage is, not only did they all know, but uh, while the the sons of the prophets of Jericho were standing afar off, they kind of knew what happened because they wanted to go search for Elijah. But Elisha saw it. They saw it. That there was a glorious future for him. And there's a glorious future uh, not only for Elijah, but for them. Elijah, again, he took the mantle and he hit the waters and they crossed on dry ground and they went across, walking into the wilderness. In verse 11, is that where I. Let's start verse 10. Or nine, actually, pardon me. Now it came about when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it came about as they were going along and talking that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by the whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They said to him, Behold, now there are with you, your servants, 50 strong men. Please let them go and search for your master. And it goes on, uh, like perhaps the Lord had set him somewhere else and the Spirit of the Lord had set him somewhere else. Uh, there's a lot in this passage we probably won't get into, but what we see here is, is that Uh, Elisha watched Elijah who was taken up in a whirlwind in verse 1 and 11. And while there was a chariot of fire, it seems like the whirlwind, this gust of wind, this strong wind is what carried him up into the sky. doesn't look like he rode on the chariot to me. But he saw this take place. They, They were walking together. The only thing that separated them was the chariot. Elisha was not going to be separated from his friends. And he saw what took place. And he would not forget, would he? There was only one other other man who walked with God and was no more, Enoch, in Genesis 5.22. Elijah did not die. He was taken up. That's why many, some, some believe that Enoch and Elijah in Revelation 11 will be the two witnesses. I agree with most people. Most people seem to think that because of the amount of transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured, they saw Elijah and Moses. So That's why they think it's going to be Elijah and Moses as the two witnesses. Everybody's set on Elijah that I know of. <laughs> Either way... He did not die and he was snatched up. <laughs> what a way to go. And some may say, well, okay. So this story in 2nd Kings chapter 1, those are just stories. They are not just stories. They really happened. 1st Thessalonians 4:13 through 18. Mark that down. It should be a passage you're familiar with. We will be snatched up. And it says in verse 13 that we're not to be uninformed. So we are not to forget that we have an eternal future and that we can be taken up to be with the Lord at any time, whenever the Lord desires, when the rapture takes place, we will be with him. We are to use those passages... We're not to forget, we're to use those passages to encourage one another in the Lord. They're supposed to be a part of a practical aspect or thinking in our lives every day. We have an eternal future. And just as As Elijah was glorified, so we will be glorified, and it will be a glorious future, and that's got to dictate everything that we do in this life. And so the final exclamation here, or question is, what now? (laughs) What now? In verse 19 through 14, which I just read, it's interesting, Elisha is able. First, he asks Elijah. Elijah gives him this option or this question, and he says, well, this is what I want. I want a double portion of your spirit. And I'm not quite sure, but we do know he received it and that he was very dynamic, a very dynamic prophet used by God in a powerful way. So he received Elijah's powerful abilities. We do know that. We do know that he went on to be powerfully used. We do know that he followed God powerfully. And so if this, this, I agree, I believe this is the double portion he received, that he was used by God powerfully, doubly over, and that he had those powerful abilities twice over. And maybe we could say he followed the Lord, but I don't know, twice over, but he... Elijah followed the Lord just as closely as Elisha did. So I think that might be taking it too far. But he saw him go up. And so, that, you know, verse 10, we're like, well, what does this mean? You know, if I was Elisha, and I'm sure Elisha was this way, oh, I'm not taking my eyes off of you then, right? If you watch me go up into the heavens, you will have this. I think is more, well, God's going to grant this to you if it does take place. But, of course, I'm going to keep my eyes on him, right? How much more should we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ? We do not have any strength in and of ourselves to do all that He's called us to do by ourselves. We have to keep our eyes on Him. So I believe this was a sign, not a must, but for us, it's a good application for us: keep your eyes on your crucified and risen Savior. Now, Elijah still mourned, didn't he? he tore his cloak. <laughs> But he got up and he started his journey without Elijah. He got to work. And so, a challenge for us is to understand that if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you are able. Get her done, don't sit back. You know, the Lord has those in every generation that he will use. And just because you grow up in central Nebraska doesn't mean that you will not be used in a powerful way. I don't think we'll ever have another Billy Graham. There was never another Elijah. But there are men who have excelled that God has used in powerful ways, in different ways, maybe just as powerfully as Billy Graham. And it could be you. No, I'm, I'm from Arnold. Right, kids? I mean, I'm, I'm a farmer. And you know who, where Elijah came from? Agricultural community. We do know what we are called to. We are called to do His will. And so the question is, are we following Him? Are we doing His will? So what a way to go really gives us an indication we have a wonderful eternal future. Secondly, if we look back on our life at the end of our life, what would we see? Would we see, hey, he was ready to go. He had followed the Lord. all, He or she had followed their, the Lord all of their life. Will we see that? Will we be able to think, man, I, no, I, I wasn't perfect, but I did. I tried to follow the Lord. Remember, life is very short. And so we need to live expectantly and excitedly for the Lord because we do know the future. So the way we will go must guide our future. And, and now what, what does that really mean? <laughs> it means that we need to live a life without regret by following Jesus daily. The question is, are you? Am I? Even in the busyness of life, right? I got too many things to do this week, Pastor. It's going to be about this, 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 and this. Well, is the Lord first, even as you do those things? It is um, a mysterious thing that God can take the busyness of our lives and somehow use them in some unexpected and powerful way. Are you ready for it? Let's pray. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you, following you every moment of every day. And, Lord, I'd like to see you just surprise some of us, or all of us this week, by how you use us. Help us to be aware that um, even just a short little statement or sentence can make a profound impact on somebody else's life, whether it's encouragement for a person who already knows you or if it's uh, a testimony that draws someone into your family, into eternal life. Help us to be ready for those moments. Lord, I ask that you'd bless each one as they go out, strengthen and encourage them, and help us to have eyes that are wide awake to the great things that you are doing in Jesus name. Amen. Can we have the some some youngsters come up take up this morning's offering? I think it's important for us as we take up this